This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. service. Good to see you this morning. Hope you're doing good. If you have your Bible, open it up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. If you're new to New Song Church, my name is Josh. I am uh, the pastor here, and I'm glad to have you with us this weekend. Uh, We're beginning a brand new series. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. Before we do that, though, um, I want to encourage you to do something with me this week for the kingdom. Uh, We have a group of missionaries. In fact, yesterday I dropped off Sarah and my son Gus at 4 a.m. in the morning. They traveled all day, and they are in Mexico right now, Puerto Penasco, Mexico. And uh, yeah, they're doing missions work. We have 40 missionaries in Mexico, and uh, they just got to the church just just a moment ago, and and Sarah's getting ready to preach uh, out there. She's going to be talking to this group of people who are very labor-intensive about the principle of Sabbath this morning. So I want to encourage you to be praying for them over the next week as they go out. They're going to be working hard. They're going to be laboring for the kingdom this week. And uh, we want to pray that God would use them in a mighty way. I was thinking about this. If, if each of us, you know, we have over a thousand people in the church. If let's just say 500 of us spent five to 10 minutes a day in prayer for them, think about all the, the minutes of prayer that would go forth for them this week. How powerful how powerful that could be. And then you factor in like the Bible, you know, one can put a thousand to flight, two, 10,000, the multiplication power of, of, of scripture when we come together in prayer. And I believe God's going to do some amazing things. So here's, here's my challenge to you this week. I'm going to challenge you with something. And I want to encourage you to get out your phone right now if you got a phone with you. And I want you to like kind of set an alarm. Like every day, you know what time is best for you, but set an alarm every day. And when that alarm goes off, Take like five minutes and let's lift up our missionaries. They're out there, man. They're in, the, they're in it right now. And we're believing God. And here's how you can pray for them. We're believing God that the kingdom of God is going to show up. Like God, like the God that we know, who is a living God, who's not a distant deity who looks at us from a distance, but is a living God, is going to show up and do mighty works. Works that, that these people are going to go, man, God, like God did that. Like miracles are going to take are going to take place. Can you guys get on board with that? Yeah. If not, I hope by the end of this message you will, because we're going to talk about faith today. But let's be praying for them this week. I want to challenge you. Let's be praying for them. Let's lift them up. And uh, next week they'll be back, and we'll hear some reports on what all happened. It's going to be really good. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 11, we're starting a brand new series today called By Faith. And let me just set this up for you, because I know we've, we've come out of this series you know, what we were in this, this last series that we were in, it was kind of like one of those really like intense kind of series where there's a lot of looking at the underneath stuff and dealing with stuff. This series is going to be different. There's going to be some of that, you know, we're going to deal with some, some issues that we need to deal with. But this is an, this is an exciting series because we're going to talk about by faith. We're going to talk about what's possible, what we can do, who we're called to be, what we can accomplish because of what Jesus has accomplished for us. And uh, so Hebrews 11 is this chapter, and it's full of these characters, and, and they're, they're men and women who rose up in faith instead of shrinking back in fear. And that's what I believe we're called to do in this generation, in this time. Do you believe that? Yes. Uh, do you believe that, church? Yes. And so I want to encourage you, like, let's, let's dig into this together. We're going to dig into this text over the next several weeks. I'm just going to kind of start it this weekend. We're going to talk mainly about faith more than we get into the characters of faith this weekend. But... Um, but how many of you have ever heard Hebrews 11? How many of you ever heard 
it referred to as the hall of faith. Anybody relate to that? The hall of faith before? Yeah, I have too. And um, I'll be honest with you, I don't really like that title for this chapter. And the reason why I don't is because when I think of like halls, like when I, when I hear hall of faith, I think of a hall of fame, right? And when I think of hall of fame, I think of athletes. I think of people like, like Babe Ruth. And when, when I was a kid, Ken Griffey Jr. Anybody remember Ken Griffey Jr.? King Jr. had like the sweetest swing of all time. If he wouldn't have got injured, he would have been one of the greatest home run hitters of all time. It was amazing. Uh, I think of people like Michael Jordan, the GOAT, the actual GOAT, young generation, you people, just so you know, the GOAT, okay? And at first service, I got an amen on that, which was interesting. Michael Jordan's the GOAT, amen. Like, yeah. anyway. Larry Bird, people like this. I think of like uh, Barry Sanders. You guys remember Barry Sanders? In my opinion, the greatest running back of all time. Um, I think of these athletes who did incredible things, these guys that would rise up in moments and, and, and perform and do well, and now they're in the Hall of Fame. Or I think of uh, like famous people in entertainment, people like Paul McCartney of the Beatles. I think of Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. Uh, or I think of like the, 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 the walk of the stars of, of the walk of fame, like the, hall, like the Hall of Fame for like movie stars and all the different actors that are there. And when I think about these people... I can look at them from a distance and I'm impressed with what they've accomplished, but I also look at them and I go, well, I could never really do that. You guys relate to that? Like, I, I can't be Michael Jordan and, and neither can you. He, like, he's a one of one, guys. Or Barry Sanders, like I, these guys, these, these, these athletes, I can't, I can't be Mick Jagger, nor do I want to be, nor should you want to be. But what, what we do is we think of a hall of fame and what halls do is they kind of like separate the extraordinary from the ordinary and they, they kind of exist to elevate and separate. And so when we think of the hall of faith in that same context, what we do is we think of these people that are listed in Hebrews 11 and we go, oh man, that's amazing what they did, but I could never do anything like that. And just so you know, that is not at all what this is designed to do. When, when God put this text together, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. It wasn't so we would look at them and go, man, look at what they did for the kingdom. Look at these things that they were able to do. I could never be like them. We're actually supposed to look at them and say, man, look at what they were able to do. And I have it better than they had it. Because I have Jesus with me. And I have the Holy Spirit empowering me to do even greater works than they did. That's what Hebrews 12 talks about. Look, look at this with me. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 comes right before Hebrews 11, right? You, you guys, yeah. Hebrews, it's 12, 11. So it's the next one. And it's talking about, referring back to Hebrews 11, which is what we're going to read. And Hebrews 12 says this. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This is talking about the people from Hebrews 11. It's referring us back and it's saying, hey, because of what they did, we're supposed to go and we're supposed to go run our race. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In other words, it's saying, hey, based on what they did, now we, by faith, can rise up and do great things for the kingdom of God. We don't look at Hebrews 11. We don't look at these characters. We say, man, I could never do that. We're supposed to look at them, get inspired by them and say, if God could use them, he can use me. 
If God could do something like that for his kingdom with that person, man, he can, he can use someone like me. So I encourage you to be here throughout this series. We'll be in this series all of June, most of July. I believe it's going to be really good. But today as we kick this off, I'm not going to talk about a specific character outside of the character of Jesus, which we're going to talk about at the end, because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. We're going to look at him. We're going to look at his life and what he accomplished. But we're really going to focus in on faith today. What is faith? How does it work? Why did God choose faith? We're going to look at the, some of these things. So before we do that, would you bow your heads? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day and for, the, and for your word. And uh, we just invite you into this service. We know that you're here, that, that you come where the presence, your, your presence shows up where your praises are. And we've worshiped you and praised you, so we know you're here. We know you're in homes uh, all over the place. We know you're with those, our missionaries in Mexico. In fact, we lift them up before you right now. Thank you for our missionaries. Protect them this week. Lead them, guide them. Uh, help them, Lord, to accomplish what it is. We thank you as the word goes forth with them that it will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. That it will find It'll find a place of rest in hearts and minds, and it will, it will bear fruit. And that those people, through our team, will see Jesus at work. They'll see what Jesus is all about. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do there, and we thank you for what you're going to do here. Speak to us, Lord. We don't want to just hear a good talk from a guy. We want to we have an encounter with you. And so, Lord, show up in this room. Speak to us. Show us what we need to see about faith today, what we need to see about you today. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're talking about faith. Here's the first point if you're taking notes this morning. Faith is fundamental. Faith is fundamental. If you're following along in the Being Transformed journal or you've got your, your app or you're taking notes, faith is fundamental. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read from the message translation because I like the way it's phrased. The fundamental fact of existence. The fundamental fact of existence. Like that's a strong sentence right there is that this trust in God, this faith. So, so right off the bat, notice this, faith is trust. Like that's the most simple definition of faith I can think of, and that's really what it is. It's more than a mental assent. It's more than just agreeing with stuff that God says. It's a trust in God that moves in action. In fact, here's a definition of faith. It's putting your trust in something or someone it's relying on, it's clinging to. So it, you, you have enough trust in something that you rely on it and you cling to it. You're holding on to, to it. So in this case, we're relying on God. We're counting on God. We're trusting in God. We're clinging to God. This trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation. What's the foundation do? It's what, it's what we build a house on. It's what we build a life on. This is the firm foundation. We're building our life on this faith. There's a firm foundation under everything. Somebody say everything. Everything. Say like you mean it, everything. everything that makes life worth living. Like, are you seeing this text? This is strong, strong language here. It's our handle on what we can't see. In other words, faith is critical to seeing things from a spiritual perspective. We'll talk more about that in a second. The act of faith. Notice it's an act. It's an action. There's, there's action that's connected to faith. Faith without works is dead. There's a work, an action that goes along with faith that proves that it's faith. It's one thing to say you have faith. It's another thing to move based on what you say you believe. 
The action of faith, the act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors. It's what set them above the crowd. So it, what, what these people in Hebrews 11, what set them apart, what made them be recorded in Hebrews 11 as these people that we look to and we say, well, look at what God did in their life, is that they were willing to believe God and, and in faith and trust him and move based on that belief. They were willing to take God at his word and they were, they were willing to move based on what the word of God was saying. They were willing to believe God enough to move and trust him with their life. So what we see is that, that faith moves us beyond the natural realm. Faith is about us moving beyond our five physical senses, which is, which is hard for us to do because you know, we live in a world, we're raised in a world where we learn to live in this world based on our five physical senses. This realm, a lot of what we, we do in this, this realm of this earth, this kingdom of this earth, is based on our five physical senses. But you have to realize there's another kingdom. There's a kingdom of God. And there's a, another realm. There's a spiritual realm. And it's from the spiritual realm that God created this realm. So you can honestly say that that realm is more real than this realm. And there's things that, that God wants to do from that realm that he wants to bring into this realm. But you can't tap into those if you just live and function in this realm. You have to look beyond your sight, you have to look beyond your senses to tap into what God wants to do. And how you do that, how you reach into that realm is by faith. Faith is fundamental. And faith is what separated these people. Why God was able to do what he was willing to do and able to do in their life is because they were willing to walk by faith. And if you're going to accomplish what God wants to do in your life, if you're going to see God move in your life, you're going to have to learn to live by faith. We walk by faith, right? And not by sight. We have to learn to move beyond just, okay, I don't see it, but I, I trust you, Lord. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to move based on what your word says, based on who you are, based on the character that I've learned about you. I'm going to move based on that, not based on what I feel, what I see, what I'm experiencing. I'm moving based on your word. Faith is fundamental. And everything, listen, every single thing, that God is going to do through us, he wants to do through us, that God is going to do in our life, is going to be done in our life, is going to be accessed through faith. It's, it's by faith. It's by grace through faith. Grace makes it available, and it's by faith that we reach and receive it. Like, think about this. Salvation's available, isn't it? And, and it's the will of God. It's the will of God that none should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. That's what the Bible tells us. But there's people who are going to go to hell. You know why? It's not because it's not available. It's because the grace is available, but they won't access it by faith. So there's things that are available that if we're going to receive of those things, God has a will for you, and it's a good will. He has things he wants to do in your life. But if you're going to receive of those things, you're going to have to learn to live by faith. Faith is fundamental. Here's point number two. If you're taking notes, faith comes standard. Faith comes standard. In other words, the faith that you need to do whatever it is that God's calling you to do, you already have it. You already have all the faith you will ever need. You have it. The key is tapping into it. Look at this with me. Romans 12 verse 3. For by grace, for by the grace of God, notice there's grace. The grace means it's available. It's a, it's a free gift. By grace has been given to me, I say, to every one of you. You're in every one of you, Right? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Now look at this. In accordance with the measure of faith 
God has distributed to each of you. There's a measure of faith that's been distributed. That, that word measure is the Greek word metron. It means a standard determined measure. There's a standard determined measure of faith that God has given every believer. So here's what this tells us. You have all the faith you need and you have the same amount of faith as everyone else. You have all the faith you need. You're not trying to get more faith. You have all the faith you need. God doesn't give some people more faith than he gives you. God doesn't give me more faith because I'm a pastor than he would you. I have the same measure of faith you have. He doesn't give people sitting up here on the front row more faith than he gives people in the back row. Hey, back row people, I love you. You got the same faith as them, just so you know. You just got to come up here sometime. There's a whole row up here. It's crazy. He doesn't give people that come from a, a good home, that had good parents. He doesn't say, oh, you get more faith because you're in a good home. Or he doesn't give people that come from a bad home more faith because, oh, you're going to have a rough environment. You need more faith. If he did that, listen, if he did that, he would be a respecter of persons. And he's not a respecter of persons. So we all have the same amount of faith. We've all been given the measure of faith. Peter talks about this in 2 Peter, talking to a group of believers, says this, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. They've received it through Jesus Christ, this like precious faith. Now, uh, when Peter says this, he's not like having a, teenage girl moment, like a valley girl moment. If you've received like precious faith, like that's not what he's doing here. He's actually this phrase like precious faith. It's this word. Um, where is it? It's this word. S E S O T M O S. E S O T M O S. I should really learn these Greek words a lot better than I do. It means of equal value or honor. So what he's saying is you through Jesus Christ have received the same amount of faith that I have. Peter's saying, you have the same quality and quantity of faith that I have. Now, that's really interesting. Because if you know, like, Peter, I know Peter wasn't perfect, right? But Peter did some pretty cool stuff. Like, Peter, remember, he walked on water. He didn't stay on it very long, but he did walk on it. No one else has done it except Jesus. He's one of two. That's pretty impressive. You have the same faith as him. Faith to step out and walk on water. You have that. Uh, Peter, the Bible tells us in Acts that he raised this person named Dorcas, which is an all-time classic Bible name. <laughs> it's a good, if you're looking for a child name, I wouldn't refer to that one as a good one. It's not a good name for, it's going to be a tough junior high experience for that kid. But the Bible says they got raised, they were raised from the dead because of Peter. You have the same faith as him. The Bible says in, I think it's Acts 5, that his shadow would touch people and they'd be healed. You have the same faith. As Peter. And, and let me take it a step further. You have the same faith as Jesus. You have the same faith as Jesus. Look at this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul talking here. He says, I live by, notice how he puts this, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice he doesn't say, I live by the faith in the Son of God, but by the faith of the Son of God. He's saying, Paul's saying, I have the same faith working in me that Jesus had working in him. You know, we talk here at New Song Church about practicing the way of Jesus. And one of the reasons why we, we refer to that is not just because the Bible says that that's the goal, but it's because that's possible. Like God would not invite you to do something that's impossible. But we can practice the way of Jesus. Why? Because when Jesus was here, he practiced a way that was possible for us to follow. Jesus, how did he do everything? By faith, in the leading of, the, of, of God, he, he did everything by the will of the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
How do we live? By faith, doing what the will of the Father is, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So we look at Jesus and we say, that's what's possible. Now, none of us are going to accomplish exactly what Jesus did because Jesus had faith without measure because Jesus never sinned. He had, there was nothing that was keeping him from fully functioning in the fullness of who God created him to be. But we can look at him and say, that is what's possible though. I may not arrive at that level, but I can pursue that and go after that. You have the same faith. You have, listen, you have the same faith. Every born-again believer has the same quality and quantity of faith that Jesus had working in him. That should be exciting to you. That's why he said, these works I do, you can do greater works than these. Because I'm going to go to the Father, I'm going to send you a Holy Spirit helper. You're going to be just like me. We can practice the way of Jesus. We can do great mighty works. So, so, so here's the question. Then. Why, why do we struggle with this faith stuff? Well, one of the reasons why, it's not because you don't have enough faith. In fact, that, that leads us to point number three which is that our faith is in God. Faith is in God. See, what, what, the reason why we struggle with faith sometimes is because sometimes we put our faith in the wrong stuff. Faith is in God. Our faith is not in a process. Our faith is not in a formula. Our faith is not in faith. Like, we're not, like we don't make faith into a God. Our faith is in God. Our faith is in Jesus. Our faith is that He is a good promiser and a faithful God. Remember, faith is trust. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to trust in him. He wants you to trust that he'll be good and he'll be faithful and he'll see you through. And if he asks you to do something, he's going to be with you in the middle of it. But here's the reality that we all live from. I don't know your background today, but I know this about every person in you. We all struggle to trust things and people we don't know. I, I can prove it to you. If you were to go out into the parking lot after service today and someone that you have no idea who they are, some rando person comes up to you and they say, hey, uh, I'm a little short on, on cash right now and I've got some stuff going on in my life and I could really use some help. Would you give me $1,000? I'll pay you back next week. You're going to struggle with that. <laughs> Why? Because you don't know this person. You're, you're going to be thinking, well, what are they going to do with this money? If I give, how, will I ever see this money again? Will I ever see you again? I don't know you. I can't give you $1,000. I don't trust you. I can't, in good faith, give you $1,000 because I don't know you. But if you were to walk outside and there was someone out there and you knew them, like you know them, you've been in a relationship with them, and you know them to be trustworthy. You know that they're faithful to their word. You know that they're a good person, have good character. And they say, hey, I'm, I'm a little short. I've got a bill coming up and I get paid Monday. I'll pay you back on Monday. But if you could loan me $1,000, that would really help me, help me out. You know what? I'd take them to the bank and I'd give them $1,000. Why? Because I know them. Because I can trust them. Because I know their character. I know their nature. I know their heart. I know they're good for it. So I can, in good faith, walk with them and trust them with something precious to me because I know them. You see, we struggle sometimes to trust God with our life. Something precious to us? Why? Because we don't know him. We don't know him like we should. See, here's, here's the thing. Faith and fear are polar opposites. In fact, you could say it like this. Faith is, or fear is faith in reverse. So what faith does is this. Faith projects into the future. And faith projects, if your faith is in God, you're projecting a future with God present in your future. 
And if you know God and you know his character, as you project in the future, you know because he's good and he's faithful and he's loving and he's for you, you can project that in the future he's going to be good and loving and faithful and for you in the future. But fear says, I don't know that he's going to be in my future. Or if you have the wrong perception of God, he may be present in my future, but I don't know that he's good in my future. I don't know that he's going to come through for me in my future. And so we shrink back in fear because we don't really know God. See, we all have trust limits. And some of that's good, just so you know. Like, you shouldn't trust everybody. You shouldn't trust everything. That can get you into some trouble. In fact, I, I did some Googling this week and found some pictures of some stuff that I wouldn't put my trust in. Here's the first one. Go ahead and throw that up, guys. This is a couple of guys that are putting up an American flagpole. And as you can see, what they're using here... I'm just sorry, but I would not trust this process. <laughs> a ladder leaned up against within a, like this is just, I can project a bad outcome. I can project pain in a future related to this. How about you? Yeah. I wouldn't do this. I just wouldn't do it. Go ahead and show that next one. This is interesting. I don't know if you can tell really well, but that's a plane. And the back end of that plane is put together with duct tape. <laughs> now I'm not a pilot. I don't know a lot about aviation, but I know this. Duct tape is not good related to it. <laughs> duct tape serves a lot of great purposes in my life. I like duct tape. But when it comes to flying, I want nothing to do with it. Anybody relate to this? I wouldn't trust that. I can project a bad future. Here's another one. This one's amazing. This is a, uh, this is a porta potty. You see that porta potty there? And it's, it's up in some rafters here. Now, let me, let me zoom out, guys, and show them the next picture. Okay, remember that porta potty That's it right there. Okay, so, like, look, at, that's thousands of feet in the air. I'm, I'm sorry, but I have, this is not the way you want to go. Like, in both ways. Because this is, you, you don't, you die like this, and that's how you're remembered. Like, you remember, you remember Josh? You know what happened to him? He fell from a porta potty on top of the Minnesota Vikings stadium. That's not good. That's like, you never live that down. That's like people in the Bible that have those names, uh, that, like Rahab the harlot, and she's still like, are, are we going to be calling her Rahab the harlot in heaven? You'd be Josh the porta potty guy in heaven. I don't want that. You with me? I can project a bad outcome. And listen, there's things in this world we don't, we don't trust. People in this world, you don't trust. But I want you to hear me this morning. God is not one of them. You can trust God with your life. Your life is precious to you. I get it. And you can trust God with your life. You can trust that if you put your life into his hands, then he's going to take care of you. He's going to see you through. And one of the ways you learn to put your trust in God is you get into his word. And you start to learn because his word, he authored it. And in his word, you discover who God is, what he's all about. You discover how much he loves you. You see his character and his nature. And you begin to develop in your faith. Romans 10 verse 17 says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now the Bible is not contradicting itself. And I told you that you don't need more faith. What it's saying is you're able to tap into more of the faith that you have. It's kind of like this, okay? 
If you're working out and you want to get bigger muscles, you're not going to the gym going, man, I'm going to work out really hard today and hopefully I'm going to get new muscles today. You don't need new muscles to appear. You need the muscles you have to get stronger, right? And this is how it is with our faith. What we don't need is we don't need more faith. Like we're not going to God going, God, please give me more faith. I need more faith. And we're going to God. God, strengthen the faith that I have. And how do we strengthen the faith that we have? We strengthen it by coming to know God in a greater way. The Bible says this in, in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. What's the opposite of faith? Fear, right? There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And, and love here is not talking about the emotion of love. It's talking about the person of love. Why? Because 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. Same chapter, just a few verses earlier. So it's saying as you come to know this God who is love, that this faith will rise up in you that will drive away that fear that's trying to keep you from stepping into what God has for you. So how do we learn? We get into the Word. How do we grow our faith? We get into the Word. We develop. Faith is in God. And we only act in good faith based on what we know or who we know. You won't walk in, in faith with the Lord if you don't know Him like you should, and you come to know Him through your Word. And a lot of people, it's kind of this idea that we think that Faith is kind of stepping into the unknown. But listen, faith is not about the unknown. Faith is about sometimes the unseen in this realm, but it's not about the unknown. You know, we walk by faith in a God that we come to know, in a God that we learn what he's about. And so we trust him. When, when Sarah and I moved here to plant this church and left our job and did all this stuff that was, was at the moment, like in the natural, you're going, ah, I don't know. But what we did know was God is faithful. God will take care of us. God will come through. And so we, we walked based on that, based on the, the God that we came to know and the love that he had for us and the call that he placed in our life. So we walked ahead in good faith with him into some of the things we couldn't see here. And what God did is he was faithful. We put our faith in a faithful God. God is faithful. So God hasn't called you to walk into the unknown. But the key is you got to know what, who God is. you got to get into the Word and come to know Him. So faith is fundamental. Faith comes standard. And our faith is in God. Now here's a question for you. Why faith? Like why is faith the thing that God's looking for? Like why isn't it love? Or why isn't it like hard work? Or why isn't it like, you know, a person who will endure? Why, why is it faith? I grew up in a, in a church uh, that was a part of a movement called the Word of Faith Movement. And for years, I didn't even understand what, why, why it is that God chooses faith. So, so why faith? Well, there's a lot of reasons why, but I think this is the number one reason why. If you're taking notes, write this down. Faith crowns the king. Faith crowns the true king. Ephesians 2 says it like this, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. So remember I talked about grace makes it available. Faith helps us to attain it. It's available by grace. We receive it through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. So we have to recognize it's not by what we do. It's by what he has done. He did the work, and we receive of that work through faith, not of of works lest anyone should boast. So why not love or peace or endurance or whatever? Here's why, because if it was anything other than faith, we would take some credit for it. There's something in our nature that wants to take credit for stuff. And so even if we would look and say, you know, Jesus did a lot of the heavy lifting, but I did find him. Jesus did a lot of the work like the cross. That was the major thing, but 
But I did, you know, I got into the scriptures and I studied and I came to this place and, and we, we would want to take some credit for what God had done. Or I, I did these works or I did this labor. I, did, I accomplished my salvation. But, but, but God made it by faith because it's by faith that we come to recognize who it's really all about. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. This is so good. Faith is, is chosen by Christ to wear the crown of salvation because it refuses to wear the crown. There's these interesting places in scripture where Jesus is talking to people, people who he's done a work in their life and, or, or is about to do a work in their life. And he, he does something interesting. He, said, he makes these statements, statements like, your faith has saved you, or your faith has made you whole. Or with the Roman centurion, I, I've never seen faith like this before. And what's interesting is in, in the lives of these people, we see all these other things. We see these different uh, traits we see these different like positive things that are going on in their life like like they have love in their life that's displayed we see humility displayed in their life we see repentance displayed in their life perseverance displayed in their life but he doesn't crown those things he doesn't say your love has saved you your perseverance has saved you your humility is what saved you he says your faith is what saved you why because because Jesus knew what we come to know when we put our faith in God and he comes through, what, what do we do? We go, but, but it was faith in you. But I, you're the one that saved me. I, I didn't accomplish this. You're the one that accomplished it. I put my faith in you and you healed me. I didn't heal me. You healed me. So what happens is by putting the crown on faith, Jesus positions us so that we can recognize what truly should be crowned. And so we pick up that crown and we place it back on his head. Faith crowns the true king. Listen, you're not the king in your life. You can't save you. You can't heal you. You can't get you right with God. You can't do that. And so by faith, faith is brilliant because faith positions us to recognize who the true king truly is. So we take the crown off of our head, off of our works, and we put it on to God. We put it on to Jesus. So let's talk about Jesus for a moment. Because we're called to live by faith, to walk by faith. And faith is in God, and Jesus is God, and, and it's by grace, so it's by the works that Jesus did, it's through the cross that we're able to receive through faith. But here's what I've discovered, there's a lot of people that they know about some of what Jesus did, but they don't necessarily understand all that Jesus did. And so because they don't fully understand, there may be things that they're missing out on. Like, is it possible that today you have faith in God, but because you don't fully know what Jesus came to do for you, is it possible there could be some stuff you're missing out on? I remember years ago, I was carrying my daughter, Sunny, in a baby car seat into church. And I'm walking into church with her, and I, I get inside, and as I'm carrying her in, Sunny was my third child. So we had Gus, then three years later we had Bo, and then three years later we had Sunny. So I've, I've had a baby, you know, this isn't my first rodeo. I've been around babies for a while. And I'm bringing her in. And this guy that I know, it's a friend of mine, he comes up to me, he's like, dude, I'm about to change your life. He's like, I want to show you how to carry that baby car seat. And I didn't know this. And, and so today, listen, I'm going to help you. If you got babies, this is going to change your life. If you don't have babies, but someday you're going to, pay attention, okay? So this is how a lot of people carry a baby car seat. This is how I was carrying a car seat, like an idiot. Like, like I'm carrying around a bucket of rocks or something, just walking around. And if you carry a baby around like this, you're going to get tired. 
shoulder's going to burn because you're going to be holding that thing and your wife's going to be talking and you, you know, you got to bounce it. And so you're going, oh gosh, switch arms, bounce it over here. It gets old. And so he showed me this trick. You take your arm and show that next picture. You take your arm and you put it through like this. Guys, I don't know what happens. There's a leverage thing. Something happens. And it, this is a freeing ministry right here. You should try this. Go to the mall or something today. Go grab a baby and just start walking around like this. Mom is going to freak out, but just be like, I just don't, hold on, I'm practicing something I heard at church today, okay? Just kidding. Please don't do that. I don't want to be on the news. Um, but, but like, here's the thing. This, I, I started doing this, and it was like, I wish I would have known about this earlier because Gus was a fat baby. He was heavy. That was tiring. And, but, but here's the thing. That was always available. I just didn't know. What does the Bible say that we're destroyed because we have a lack of knowledge? Is it possible? See, that baby wants to be carried like that. That's right. (laughs) Is it possible that we're missing out because we just don't know? So just in case you are, I want to talk to you about the five foundational ministries of Jesus. All right. So turn over to Luke chapter four. As you're turning there, Luke chapter four, let me set this up for you. Jesus has been water baptized at this point. He comes out of the water. He's Holy Spirit uh, anointed. God says, this is my, my son in whom I'm well pleased. So he has the approval of his father. Uh, this is before he's done any ministry, but he's already got the approval of his father. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days. He's fasting. He's tempted by the devil. He overcomes the enemy. And now he goes back to his hometown. And it says this in verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, his hometown. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. Synagogue is like kind of like the church of the day. Notice it was his custom, okay? So it was the custom, listen, it was the custom of Jesus to go to church. If it was the custom of Jesus to go to church, it needs to be the custom of you to go to church. Someone say, that's good, okay. On the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened up the book, he found the place where it was written. So he finds a particular text in Isaiah that he wants to read. And it's Isaiah 61 is what he's about to quote from. This is a uh, messianic prophecy, which that means this is a prophecy in the Old Testament that was written hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene that was speaking to the Messiah and the ministry that Jesus as the Messiah would function in. So he's reading about himself and he unpacks these five ministries here. And, And let me just remind you, this is what Jesus was about So if this is what Jesus was about, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was about it then, then he's still about it now. Amen? Okay, it says this. He says, the spirit of the Lord was upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, uh, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he he closed the book, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Then to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus reads this text that they all know. They understand who this is about. And then he says, this is fulfilled today. And what he's saying there is, guys, I'm the guy. Like this is about me. This is speaking to me. And the people get ticked off about this. They grab him and they start to lead him to this cliff that they're going to throw him, they're going to throw him off a cliff. They're, they're, trying, they're, they're going to murder him over this. And what's interesting to me is that Jesus allows them to lead him to the cliff. Like he doesn't just immediately go, no, this ain't happening. And just stop him. 
he lets him lead him all the way to the cliff. Like he goes along with it. And then when he gets to the cliff, it's like, okay, enough is enough. It says this in verse 30. Then passing through the midst of them, he went on his way. That's all it says. So there's a lot left to the imagination. And when there's a lot to left to the imagination, my imagination tends to go wild. And so here's what I think happened. I have no theological grounds for this, just my opinion, okay? He's being led to this cliff, and he's going along with it for a while, and it's like, okay, enough is enough. And he snaps his finger, and it's like Saved by the Bell, Zach Morris moment. <laughs> you guys remember this? He'd snap his finger, everyone would freeze, and then he'd look at the camera, and he'd be like, man, Kelly's being such a punk. And he'd like talk to the camera, <laughs> break the wall, talk to the camera. I think this is what Jesus did. They're leading him along. He's like, okay, that's enough. Snaps his finger. And they're like all mad, raging out, ready to throw him off the cliff. And it's like, Argh! and they're frozen. And he does his thing. Passing through the midst of them, he went on his way. He just moseys on through. And they're probably in this moment going, you know what? He might be God. My opinion. <laughs> But here's the point, actually, is that he goes through these ministries and he says, this is what I'm about. This is who the Messiah is. This is what the Messiah is going to be about. And this is what I'm going to be about. And this is what I'm still about. So let's look at these ministries. The first one is the ministry of salvation. The ministry of salvation. It says in, in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel is good news. It's not good advice. You don't need good advice. You need good news. Good advice says, maybe you can pull this off. Or good, good advice, you don't want that. You want good news that says, Jesus pulled this off. So what did he do? He saved you. you. Here's bad news. You were dead in sin without Jesus. Good news is he saved you, brought you to life. If you made Jesus Lord of your life, you've been brought to life. You have a brand new born again spirit. Now, you not only, you, you've stepped into eternity now. You have an eternal relationship with God now. You're close to him. You can be close to God. You can pray and God hears you. You can walk with God, be led by the spirit of God. Like it's, this is good news. This is good news. And he came to bring it, it says, to the poor. Now, the poor is not speaking to those who are financially poor. It's the word two costs that he uses for poor. It means poor that are not able to work. So a poor person in this sense is someone who is incapacitated. Like they, they have an ailment or they have some kind of disability. And so now they cannot work. They're at the mercy of somebody giving them something. This is us outside of Jesus. You cannot work your way into God's good grace. You cannot earn it. Your greatest works are not good enough. We are at the mercy of God. And the great thing is God is merciful. He gave us grace, which is even better than mercy. It's an unmerited gift he's given us that we receive. How do we receive it? By faith. By faith, we receive salvation. You receive that through faith. Here's number two, inner healing. Luke 4, 18. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That word brokenhearted is two Greek words. One which means heart and the other uh, is centribo. It means to shatter or to break into many pieces. Uh, it's kind of like this. Imagine that you had a little glass heart that was precious to you. And somebody comes one day and they grab your glass heart and they take it outside and they violently slam it down onto the ground. 
And then they, they leave and they come around the corner and they're in uh, one of those like pavers and like the, the, what are they called? The um, steamroller, there you go. And they start rolling over it over and over again. And then they come out with a jackhammer and they start like jacking on it. And then they get another hammer and they pound it and like they turn that glass heart into just, they pulverize it into dust. And then they bring it to you and they put it in your hands and they say, put that back together. For some of you, that's how you feel. Like your heart's been broken. There's been things that have, that have been done, things that you've experienced in this life, and you look at your heart and it's been, feels like it's been pulverized and you say, it can never be put back together again. Well, Jesus says, I came to heal hearts that feel like that. If you have a need for inner healing, Jesus came so that by grace, you can receive through faith the inner healing you desperately need. Here's the third ministry, it's freedom. It says, verse 18, to proclaim liberty to the captives. That word captives is this Greek word, akmalatos, ach. You gotta like that Hebrew kind of hawking thing, ach, akmalatos. It means a captive taken by a spear. So here's the picture of this. In Bible times, it would be like you were captured by an enemy and they've got a spear in your back. Or like today, it would be someone's holding a gun to the back of your head. And they're leading you towards a prison. But it's not a prison. It's like a death camp. It's like Auschwitz. They're leading you to this place where for the rest of your life, you're going to be miserable. And daily, you're going to not know what the day is going to hold. But you know it's going to hold misery and torture and pain and anguish until someday you die. Tragically. And this is the march that every person is on outside of Jesus. This is where we're heading. We're heading towards destruction. But Jesus made it possible so you can get off that march. It says this in Ephesians 4, 8. It says, when he, talking about Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He led captivity captive. That means he led in triumph a great multitude. So it's like this. It's like imagine there's a hill. And on the other side of that hill is one of those death camps. And, and all of a sudden, you're, you're peering over that hill, and all of a sudden, you see Jesus. And he starts to walk over the top of that hill. And then all of a sudden, behind him, you see all of these people that were once in chains, that were once in that death camp, and they're walking freely, following Jesus, following Jesus into freedom. Maybe you're here today, and you've got a bondage in your life. Here's how you know if it's a bondage. You've said, I'll never do that again, and you did it again, and you did it again. And you did it again. It's a besetting sin, or it's a bondage, or it's a thought, or it's something that you just cannot get over. And it's got you bound. Jesus made it possible for you to be free. He wants to lead the cap those who, that are captive by that out of that. He wants to take you and free you. But the key is this. you got to follow Him. you got to be willing to say, I believe that the grace for my freedom has been purchased, and I'm going to follow you in faith. And let you lead me into the freedom that you offer me. Am I helping you today? Yeah. Isn't this good? Yeah. These ministries of Jesus are so awesome. So good. Jesus wants to free you. Here's number four. It's healing. This is talking about physical healing. It says in verse 18 again, recovery of sight to the blind. 1 Peter 2.24 says this. Who himself, this is talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's talking about the cross. How many of you believe that Jesus bore your sins on the cross, that your sins were placed on Jesus 
on the cross and they died on the cross with Jesus. Well, the Bible also makes it clear that your, your sicknesses were put, put on Jesus too. In fact, in the same exact verse, it says, having died of sins, might live in righteousness. So we've, we, our sins died with Jesus on the cross if we put our faith in him. And then it goes on to say this, by whose stripes you were healed. And that word healed there is the, is the Greek word iamai. It means to cure, to heal, to make whole spirit, soul, and say it with me, body. Body. That's how much your physical body. See, the, the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross doesn't just touch one part of you. Jesus made it possible so you can be spiritually healed, mentally healed. The Bible talks about how uh, your conscience, that's your mind, your thoughts, can be cleansed of dead works. You, like you're bound by pornography, you can be free from that because the, the blood of Jesus can redeem your mind. But he can also heal your body. The, the stripes of Jesus, that's the grace. By his stripes, we are healed. We were healed. It was accomplished for us. We have to receive of that. You say, well, I've prayed before and I, I wasn't healed. Well, I don't, I don't base my faith on what I experience. Sometimes I don't, I don't understand why, but I also know this, I've seen God heal. I, I was born of a woman who couldn't have babies, but she believed God. She had endometriosis. They told her you'd have to have a hysterectomy, but she believed God and by faith, no help, no pills, no nothing. I exist. So you're just gonna have a hard time in this house telling me God doesn't heal. And again, he's no respecter of persons. So if he'll do it for anyone, he'll do it for you. He's a healer. We receive the healing by grace through faith. Here's the fourth one, Holy Spirit anointing. Remember how this whole thing started. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. What Jesus did in this world, he did, like I told you earlier, by faith, through the will of the Father, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so we look at him and we say, what you did, I can do. In fact, look at this, uh, Acts 10. 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then, then, after he was anointed with the Holy Spirit power, then he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. God, the Holy Spirit is God. God was with him. You, you tracking? He did what he did because the Holy Spirit was with him. And then he says to his disciples, what does he say? He says, I'm going to send you a helper. Who's the helper? It's the Holy Spirit and he's going to be with you. And that's why he says, greater works than these you're going to do. Because I'm going to be with you. We can receive the infilling power of the Holy Spirit to anoint us to do the kind of works that Jesus did. Here, how do we do it? It's by grace through faith. Here's, here's what I want you to see. God has ordained faith. He's ordained faith. Brilliantly, he's ordained faith. And he asks us to live by it and walk in it because our faith is in him. Our faith is in Jesus. Our faith is in who he can be in our life. But here's the thing, you're gonna have a hard time walking in faith in God if you don't know God. You're gonna have a hard time trusting Jesus with your life if you don't really know who Jesus is. Luke 18, I'm gonna close with this. I'm not, you don't have to turn there. But in Luke 18, Jesus is talking about faith and he talks about how we should have faith like a child. And I was meditating on this one day and I got to thinking about children. You know, children live pretty free lives, especially children who are raised in a, in, in, a, in a home with trustworthy parents. Like my kids, never when my kids were growing up, when they were little, did they ever come to me and they were like, Dad, are you sure we're gonna get another meal? 
Like never did they come to me and like, dad, this car payment stuff, I, it's got me, I'm struggling. I, I was doing my coloring page and I got to thinking, how are we gonna make this car payment? Never happened. When my kids were little and something happened, like they got hurt or somebody was weirding them out or whatever, they would come to me or they would come to their mom. If they didn't know what to do, they would come to me. They would come to mom. If they were afraid, they'd come to us. If they need protection, they'd come to us. And you know what? They lived so free. They weren't worried about all this stuff in life. Why? Because they had faith in someone bigger, stronger, smarter, more powerful than them that that person was going to come through. And so because of that, they were able to live in freedom. What I want you to see is there's someone bigger and stronger and smarter who's with you. And he's a lot bigger and stronger and smarter than me. <laughs> and you're his child. And he wants you to walk in faith with him, believing that he's got my back. He's with me. And if he's asking me to do something, I can step ahead into it knowing that he'll be right there with me to see me through. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm gonna pray over you. Lord, I pray that faith would rise up in this house. I believe that what you've called us to do in the days ahead is gonna take faith. And we don't look at Hebrews 11, we're not gonna look at these people so that we can just look at the, the bronze busts of the great ones of heaven, but that we can actually see what's possible. Because we, more than they, have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And so Lord, I pray for a revelation of who you are. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They've heard the word of God. I pray that the word of God would rise up in them and, and that the faith that you've given them would grow stronger as they come to know you in the days ahead. So that when you come to them and you say, I want you to do this, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you to take this step of faith that, that we can rise up in faith knowing that you are in the future with us. Whatever you're asking us to do, we can do. Lord, thank you that let faith rise up in this house. We know you've called us to do great and mighty things in this day and age. We, we need you. So we recognize we need a greater measure of that faith within us. Lord, let us know you like never before in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to invite our prayer team to come down at this time. And here's what I want to do is I was praying about what this moment would look like in this service. And I want to encourage you, don't check out. Don't start thinking about lunch yet. Like just stay with me for a moment because I believe God wants to do something here. As I was praying about this moment, I was reminded of these five ministries of Jesus and I believe that this is how God wants to minister to you today. So first of all, salvation. If you're here today and you've never received the gift of life that comes with Jesus, Jesus died on the cross for you. The grace for you to be brought out of death and into life is available today. But you have to take it by faith. You have to receive of that. So if you've never done that before, we'd love to pray with you over that. Or maybe you've drifted away from the Lord. You know you're not right with God and you want to get right with God. If that's you today. You feel like God's tugging, tugging on your heart. Don't leave today not knowing where you stand with the Lord. Come down. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe you're here today and you need freedom. When I talked about freedom, something, something sparked in you. You start going, oh, that's me. I've got that thing. I've said I'll never do it again and I keep doing it. I need freedom. I need help. Jesus has made a way. Will you follow him? One of the things the Bible tells us is we confess our faults one to another that we may be healed. So coming down here, letting somebody know, hey man, I'm struggling with pornography. You say, oh, that sounds hard. Well, isn't it already hard? Like, isn't it already hard living the way that you're living right now? That's not fun. That's not good. What if that could be changed today? 
by a simple act of obedience in the Lord, by faith, right? God wants to free you today. If you're struggling in an area of freedom, I want to encourage you, step out, step out. Maybe you're here today and you need healing. Maybe you need inner healing. When I talked about that, that your heart, you, that was you. You're going, man, my heart, there, there's that moment, there's that thing, there's that thing. I, I'll never be able to get over that. You have this broken heart and God's saying, hey, will you put that in my hands? I came to heal that. Maybe coming down today and saying, I'm just, this, there's this moment, I need healing from it. We'd love to pray with you over that. Maybe you need physical healing. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Maybe you're dealing with something. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's migraine headaches. You're like, ah, oh, that's, not, that's not worth going down for. Well, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Or maybe it's big, it's cancer. You're like, well, God can't do that. Really? All-powerful God can't deal with cancer? You know that to God, like cancer is no bigger than a headache? He's an all-powerful God. He's not looking at something like cancer or whatever and going, oh, that's a tough one. Good luck with that. No, he wants to heal you. So whatever it is, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Or maybe you're here today and you just, you recognize like you need power. You want to do the works that Jesus did and you've never received an infilling of the Holy Spirit or you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to come down and receive prayer. If any of that stuff, if you find yourself going, uh, God's tugging on me right now. If that's you today, I want to encourage you, don't leave today without coming down and receiving prayer. Would you stand with me? We're going to go back into a time of worship here for just a moment. Let's engage with God in this moment. If you're here, you need prayer. You can go ahead and start making your way down to the altars. We'd love to pray with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to by faith step out. Faith is the act of faith is what separated those in Hebrews 11. Action. Thank you, Lord, that as people step out in acts of faith to receive prayer, that, that they will be separated from the stuff that's been holding them back. That you'll separate them from death into life. You'll separate them from bondage into freedom. You'll separate them from pain into healing. Separate them from weakness into power. Separate them and help them to step into what it is you have for them, Lord. I pray that faith would rise up, boldness would rise up to receive all that you've accomplished at the cross for us. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.